0: Good morning, and welcome to worship at First Church this morning. Before we start, I have several announcements I'd like to make. On a sad note, I was just handed this today that I want to announce that Rob Schrader passed away on Friday, January 13th, unexpectedly. He was the son of Charles and the late Janice Eversman Schrader. Visitation will be Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. with the funeral to follow at the Old Stone Presbyterian Church in Delaware, Ohio. Please keep the Schrader family in your prayers. The red rose on the altar this morning is in honor of John and Joanne Hoagie's 64th wedding anniversary, which they will be celebrating tomorrow, Monday, January 16th. Congratulations to both of you. Next Sunday, January 22nd, Following our morning worship service, we'll be having our annual congregational meeting. There will be children's Sunday school will go on as scheduled that day, but the adult Sunday school classes will be canceled. The annual book, which provides uh, different reports from the pastor, senior pastor, the financial report for 2016 and so forth, is available for you to pick up this morning where you can take them home and look them over before next week's meeting. They are located in the front pew right in front of me. There's a limited supply, so we'd ask that you just take one per family. The Otis Spunkmeyer cookie dough sale is now on, going on. To place an order, you can see any of our junior or senior high students or place an order at the church office. The last announcement I have is an important one. Let me rephrase that. It's very important. First Church in New Knoxville will be hosting a 24-hour day of prayer, which will start next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. on July 21st and will conclude on 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, July 22nd. It gives all of us an opportunity as a body of believers to come forward with prayers for the guidance and wisdom of our new president, who will take office next week, And also a chance to give prayers for our church, our our church, our community. And last but not least, prayers for our nation so we can heal. So like I say, it's a very important day. There are sign-up posters at the various entrances. I'd like to see if we can fill up those 24 hours with prayer. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. Please take the time to look them over. And now would you please stand as we start our service this morning. And join me in our call to worship, which is from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And you have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence of the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what for mankind is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings so that you care for them, you have made them a little
1: lower than the angels, and crowned them with
0: All flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Our opening song this morning is a beautiful song of praise. How deep the Father's love for us. As the children come forward for the children's chat with Mrs. Lammers, please take a moment and greet one another.
2: Good morning. Are you awake this morning? No, you're not. (laughs) Of course, the Opperman girls are awake. (laughs) How are you guys this morning? Good. All right. Well, how do we know what's going on in the world? How do we keep up with what's going on in the world? What do we do? Time. Time? Do we watch TV? No. Yes. Well, you know, my generation, we still watch TV. We don't just get on the Internet and find out what's going on. We watch TV. You tune in. There are people called reporters. What does a reporter do? What does a reporter do? Lena? they could tell us what the weather is like right how many of you think it would be fun to be a reporter yeah i think it would be fun to go you get your own microphone you get to go out and you get to put it in people's faces and say hey how are you doing today you think that would be fun yeah well you know that's how we keep up on the news now when jesus was on earth were there tvs were there reporters so how did people find out what's going on? How did people figure that stuff out? They went outside. They, and then they had a calendar. Oh, okay. Any other ideas? Lena? If it, if it was raining, they would just stick their hand Well, yeah, the weather would be an easy one to tell. But what about what's going on next, what's going on in the next town? How are they going to find that out? They didn't have a newspaper. They didn't have a TV for the reporter. Who told each other? How did they find out? They would go on a voice and go look for their flowers. Okay. They would have to go check it out themselves, wouldn't you? Okay. Well, you know, even though there was no TV during the time of Jesus, eyewitness reporters were still very important. Okay. One day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said to the people that were with him, Look, there is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He is the one I've been telling you about. I didn't know he was the Messiah, but when I baptized him, I saw the Holy Spirit coming down from the heavens like a dove, and it came down and landed right on his shoulder. I saw it with my own eyes, and I tell you, this is the Son of God. Okay. Eyewitness people, people, everyday people, telling other people about what they saw. That's how news spread in Jesus' time. Okay. And when the people heard about what Jesus did, because John told them, they started to understand who Jesus was and how awesome he is. Okay. So, how can we be an eyewitness person? we can go out and tell other people about Jesus okay because how did you learn about Jesus who told you about Jesus who told you about Jesus god um, the preacher? maybe the preacher did Dad? maybe mom did maybe god did god came and told you about Jesus yeah. awesome okay so Other people, grandma and grandpa, your Sunday school teachers, your teachers at Vacation Bible School, those are people that told you about Jesus. They're eyewitness people, okay? They're people who have lived it. And now it's your turn to do that. You can tell other people about Jesus. Maybe when somebody does something nice, you can say, hey, you know what? Jesus would like it if you did that. Or if you see a beautiful sunset, you can say, God made that sunset, And that's how other people learn. Okay? So I want you to think about that today. How can we tell other people? How can we be a news reporter and tell other people about Jesus? Okay? Let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there are so many ways that we can find out about what's going on in the world around us today. (laughs) But, Lord, the best way is to be an eyewitness reporter and see it ourselves To tell other people about it, to stay informed by staying in the Bible. Be with us this week. Help us to go out and tell other people about the awesome things that Jesus does. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: As a part of Operation Inherent Resolve, which is our continued coalition efforts against ISIS and ISIL. In Iraq, Syria, and the East, we lost by accident Specialist Isaiah L. Booker, 23, in Jordan. He hails from Cibolo, Texas.
3: Good morning.
4: Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we are grateful that this is a day that you have made, and so we are here to rejoice and be glad in it. Um, We're thankful that in your word you promise that your mercies are new each morning. Um, Lord, especially as we hear um, the news of the sudden passing of uh, members of our community and and those who serve us in the armed forces, um, Lord, that can bring a lot of grief and sorrow. Uh, But Lord, help us to look to you for the strength we need to to endure. Help us to look to you for the mercy and grace and peace we need when when things are, are not going the way we expect them to. Lord, I pray that, that each name on the list here that we have in our bulletin, um, those who are in need of healing and, and recovery and other needs that are there, Lord, uh, I pray that you would, uh, you would be, with, be there with them, um, help them through this time. Your word promises, Lord, uh, or excuse me, it doesn't promise that, that life will be easy, that everything will go smoothly if we put our trust in you. But you do promise that you will be with us, that you'll give us the strength to endure, and you'll give us a sure hope of, of uh, the promises of your word. And so we're so grateful for that and thankful for that. And I pray that each one of us would be able to look to you in our time of need and look to you for, for everything we need, Lord, each day. Uh, thank you that you are our God and that you encounter us and you have, you have made yourself known to us um, through your word and through this world that you've created. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the morning offering to come forward at this time. Our offering this morning goes to help support our radio fund, which is a great ministry here at the church that our services are able to be broadcast and shared with many people around this community and around the world for those listening on the Internet as well. So uh, praise God for that and thank you for your generous support of that ministry.
3: Be seated. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to open them up to uh, the book of Psalm, uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 6 for our scripture reading. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. If you are able, I ask you to stand and take your blue hymnals and turn to page 64 And sing our hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King.
4: may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we are again grateful to be here and to worship you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come and, and lift up our voices together in praise and prayer. And now for the opportunity to hear you know, your, your word read and, and preached. I pray you give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. Today, we're continuing our series uh, that we're we're taking a look at our mission statement, uh, which if you're not familiar with it's printed every week in the front of your bulletin. Um, I encourage you to, to take a look at that, you know, be, be reading that as we continue to preach throughout this this series and just be aware of the direction that we're going. Um, I think this is uh, such an important thing for for us as we Strive to to learn to what it means to be the church, what it means to, to live out our faith in this community as the body of believers. Um, this is going to be our, our guide going for, forward uh, and, and how we can live that out as a group. Uh, so last couple of weeks, we looked at that, that first sentence there. Uh, first Church of New Knoxville is a community of faith who engage biblical truth to provide an environment where people mature as disciples of Christ. And so we looked at what it means to be that community of faith, what it means to devote ourselves to those sorts of things. And then for the next six weeks beginning today, we're going to look at each one of those, I call them the E statements that are listed there uh, below it, where it says to accomplish our mission, first church will. And and it lists six statements there and they all begin with a word that starts with E. Um, And so today we're going to be looking at how we will, how we can encounter our creator and how that helps us to live out that mission statement. Um, all of these statements that we're going to be looking at beginning today and going forward, they're all uh, true for us both individually and corporately as a church. What I mean by that is that is that they're true for us in our own personal lives and our faith. As we, as we try to live these things out, as we try to encounter our Creator and embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to, as we try to empower lives through God's living Word, the Bible, Each each of those six statements, we try to live those out personally in our own lives. And as we do that, then we as a church, as, the, as a group of believers, will naturally be, be going in that direction. If we're, if we're focusing on that in our own lives, then as a church, it'll help us as we, as we try to do that together. But it also works in reverse as well. As, as a church, if we are focusing on these things and everything that we do and, and what we preach and, and the kind of uh, programs and ministries that we run, if we focus on this mission statement, then it's going to help the individuals in our church to live it out in their personal lives. So it kind of goes both ways. As we strive to live it out in our own lives, it'll help the church to have that focus. But also as the church has that focus, it'll help us to live it out in our own daily lives as well. Uh, that's why I think it's so important for us to take the time, especially at the beginning of the year, as we start 2017, uh, to focus on these things. And, and especially these 6E statements to help us to to really learn what it means to live out these these uh, this mission statement. And so this statement this week is we are encouraged to encounter our Creator. And, and from the very beginning of the Bible, from the very first words of Scripture, we see that God is the, the Creator of everything. He's the one who brought everything into existence, and He's the one who, who formed everything in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 say, and these words are probably very familiar to you, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth is formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Those very familiar words uh, really set the stage. And, and throughout Scripture, we see over and over again that God is, is the one who created everything. Not only did He create the world and the universe that we live in, but He created each one of us. And the word that, that is used in Genesis 1-1 and, and used throughout throughout the Old Testament Uh, the word create is a word that means to bring something into existence, to make something new. In other words, He didn't start with some materials and then, and then form it in a certain way and, and, and that's how we came into being. Um, the word connotates that God created out of nothing. God created everything that we see out of nothing. He is the, He is the eternal one. He is the one who was before all time and before existence, um, and he 's the one that spoke everything into being uh, we see in the it's in a, actually this word is only used um in reference to God throughout the old testament. This word to create in other words you know there's there's other words to, that talk about making things and, and creating things uh that that are used for humans and other people th- or <laughs> What other people are humans? Um, <laughs> used by people throughout the Old Testament, uh, but, but this word for to create that's used in Genesis 1 is only used in reference to God. It's something special that God does. As I mentioned, He created, um, and He spoke everything into existence. I think that's just such an amazing thing. You look at Genesis 1 and, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, God could have used any Sort of means for creation, right? He could have, he could have done anything he wanted, but he chose to speak. He chose to use his words to bring things into existence. And that's the picture we get in Genesis 1. And like I said, it's, it's, this idea of creation out of nothing—it's not that you know there was there were these things before God, and then God came around it and, and and did something with it. It's that it's God is eternal. He's the He's the one who who existed before all time began, who existed before this world and this universe. And it's from Him and out of Him that we all find our being and have life. Uh, there's a story I've, I heard once about a a scientist who wanted to, to challenge the idea of God. Basically, you know he he, he you know confronted God one day and, and said, look, look, we don't really need you anymore, right? With all of our advances in modern science and technology, we really have constructed a way to, to really just kind of push you out of the picture, right? In, in years past, before the advent of modern technology and science and medicine and all of things, people had to rely on you, had to rely on God for all of those things. But now we've, we've figured out a way to live without you. We've figured out a way to, to sustain ourselves um, without the need for God. In fact, we've even come so close that we can we can practically replicate replicate life, then the beginning of life, uh, and so and so. God says, "Oh, is that the, how's that going for you? How how is that how does that work?" And so the scientist says, "Well, why don't we why don't I challenge you? Let me let me show you how I create life. Let me show you the, this process that we've come up with." And God says, "All right, let's see how it goes." And so this the scientist you know kneels down, and he starts to collect some some earth, right, some soil, just like God did in the beginning with Adam. And as he's beginning to collect it in front of him, make this little pile, God says, hold up, wait a second, get your own dirt, right? <laughs> we, can, we can do what we can. And modern science and, and, and technology is amazing, and, and it's a blessing from God in so many ways. But, but in the beginning, when God created it was something that was unique. And it's something that we cannot replicate. We cannot be God and, and bring things into existence in the way that He did. Now, we, we because of our, our technology and because of our uh, modern science, you know, we, we have been blessed in so many ways. But, but there's something unique about God and the unique about His creation that, that is still beyond us. And so, so we see from the very beginning that God created everything. And we also see throughout Scripture that creation reveals the aspects of, reveals aspects of God's character. That's where this, uh, these verses from Psalm 19 come into play. There's such a, I think a very beautiful description of, of how creation declares the glory of God, how it reveals the very nature of God to us. Uh, I can remember when I was in uh, high school, I was in Boy Scouts and we got a chance to go out to, um, New Mexico to Phil Scout, Philmont Scout Ranch. And go backpacking for 10 days. A um, really great experience. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but there was just something about being out there in the mountains, you know, kind of on your own. And at night, I just remember looking up and seeing the stars like I'd never seen them before. I mean, I grew up out in the country, so you got a pretty good view of the stars. But if any of you have ever been out in that part of the country out west, um it's just everything seems bigger out there, right? You're out there, the, the sky just seems bigger, the stars seem brighter. And I just remember at that time looking up and just being in awe of creation, being in awe of the beauty of it and being in awe of the one who created it. You see, I, I couldn't help but look and notice and think, this can't be here by accident, right? The design, the beauty of it, it just seems to be, have pointed to something greater than itself. I think of, uh, you know, some of you may be into um, art and, and have gone to museums at different times. Not exactly my thing, but I've been to a few museums, and, and I can appreciate that. Uh, but as you look at a painting, you can see, you can learn a little bit of something about the artist by studying and examining the painting. You know, there's certain characteristics that show up in all of Michelangelo's art, and all of Van Gogh's paintings. Right? There are certain characteristics and certain things that, that develop and you can see and, and you can look at something. And if you know enough about art, you can look at a painting and say, oh, that must be a Van Gogh. Or that must be one of Michelangelo's works. And so in the same way as we look at creation, it, it points us to something beyond ourselves, something greater than nature itself. And I believe it points us to God. It points us to the one who created it. Romans 1, 18, 23, And I believe that passage is also printed in your uh, little sermon uh, book there. But it talks about uh, the importance of, of recognizing God and, and recognizing him in creation. Uh, beginning in verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godly, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, You see, we can, God has made himself known through creation. He has, he has left his mark just like an artist does on their painting. And so as we look at creation, as we view the world that we live in, we can't help but notice God at work. And so in a way that we are, we are without excuse because God has revealed himself in that way. It says here, the mistake that we often make is we don't glorify God or thank him for the way that he has provided for us through creation. And instead of worshiping the Creator, instead of worshiping God as we ought to, we begin to worship and give our attention to the created things instead. And really, when you get down to it, idolatry, sin, uh, it's really it's, it's putting something in the place of God where on, that only God belongs. Right? It's when we put things in this world, whether it's ourselves and our own, and our own desires, whether it's putting our job or our family we find purpose and meaning in life apart from God, whereas where instead God intends for us, God desires for us to find our purpose and our meaning and of our life in Him and that 's what creation points us to. It points us to the fact that there is a Creator and one that we can know and and have a relationship with and that leads us to this idea what What does creation revo- reveal about the Creator? You know these verses talk about creation glorifying God and and pointing people to him. But what do, does nature teach us about who God is? And what does creation reveal about the creator? Uh, there's three things I just want to highlight um, for us today. There's probably a lot more than this. So you could probably dig a little deeper, but I think these three things are important for us to remember as we as we think about encountering our creator. One is that God is sovereign. That, and the word sovereign simply means possessing supreme power, or supreme or ultimate power and so God is all powerful. Psalm 89:11 says the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. If you think about the world that we live in and the beauty and the majesty and the and the just creativity that's there, you can't help but, but sense that God is is sovereign, he's all powerful. As I mentioned before, of all the ways that God could have created the world, he chose to speak it into existence what a display of power to just say something and then for it to happen how many of you would like to have that ability right you just speak it you know and your kids do exactly what you want to do because you said it right you speak something and it happens right we'd all love to have that power and that's how that's how god decided to display his power through creation and only god is able to do what he did sovereign also means that god is in control not only is he all powerful not only is he able to create the world that we live in and each one of us, but he's able to sustain it and uphold the creation. Psalm 104 is, is a pretty long passage, so I'm not going to read it for us. Um, but, but I encourage you to check it out. It describes God being in control and sustaining and providing for his creation in, in a very, in a very poetic way, for, as, as many of the Psalms are. But it, it describes how God is not only powerful, but he's in control as well. We can also learn that God is good. He brings order out of chaos. He brings meaning and purpose into our lives. In Genesis 1 it talks about how God ordered the world in 6 days. He brought he brought purpose and meaning and orderliness out of out of his creation. And he created a world without sin or corruption. See, the world that we live in was originally without sin. In Genesis 1 and 2, we get this picture of the world. And and at the end of each day, God makes a statement about what he made. Right? He looked and it was evening and it was morning the first day. And God looked at it and said it was good. And even at the end of day 6, after creating man and woman, he says it was very good. And so we get this picture that, that the world as it was meant to be was without sin. And we don't see sin enter the picture until... Genesis chapter 3. And finally, we also see that one day we this world and creation will be without sin again. Chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation. And so, uh, somebody once told me, if you take sin out of the Bible, right? if you were to take all the, the moments of sin out of the Bible, you'd be left with four chapters. Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. And it's a picture of what God intended for creation to be apart from sin. But unfortunately, creation is now under the curse of sin. See, in Genesis 3, 17-19, as a result of, of Adam and Eve's decision to rebel against God, um, creation itself is even under a curse. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul describes that as well. He says, "...I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed." For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. See, creation itself, the world that we live in is even affected by our sin. You know, anybody who, you know, you hear about all these, you know, natural disasters and things, and, and, the, and just death itself is not how God intended for this world to be, but it's the impact and it's the result of sin. And one day God will uh, take care of that. I mentioned in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, in Revelation 21 and 22, there's these, the, the picture of what God intended for the world to be like. And in, in each of those scenes, in each of those stories, there's a tree. At first there's the tree of life, right? And then also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And Adam and Eve chose to to eat from that tree and that has impacted the world from that point on. But then in Revelation, in 21 and 22, it also describes an, a tree that will be at the center of, of the new Jerusalem and the new heaven and new earth. And in that tree is the tree of life, the tree that will bring healing to the nations. And so in a sense right now, we're living in between those two trees. We're living as a result in a world that is, has been affected and as the result of of Adam and Eve choosing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the impact that's had on us. And we're awaiting a day that one day we'll, we'll be able to live in a world on the other side of that tree where that has brought healing and peace to the nations. So right now we're kind of living and stuck in between those two trees in, in a world that is, is affected by sin. But creation has told us that God is good and he's doing something about that sin. He's doing something and working his creation through Christ toward, toward that uh, new creation and new Jerusalem. So we learn that God is sovereign, God is good, but we also learn that God is loving. He created us to be in a relationship with him. So Genesis 1 describes creation as God speaking things into existence. Genesis 2 gives a more intimate picture of God forming Adam out of the, the dust of the earth with his own hands right and and then breathing life into his nostrils it's a very intimate picture of god creating the first man and so and so that's the kind of relationship we were intended to be with god god loves us and cares for us and and he wants to have that relationship with us and and sin is what has impacted and, and created a barrier between between us and god Genesis, those first chapters of Genesis describe God as walking through the garden in the cool of the day. This idea of that was something that he would normally do, that, that he would spend time with his creation in a very intimate way. But obviously that's been impacted and affected by our sin. God is loving in that he also provides for our physical and spiritual needs. Even though we sin, God still provides a way to restore that relationship through Jesus Christ. And he provides for us in, in, in other ways as well. Psalm fifty five twenty two says, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I was also um have been working through the Heidelberg Catechism with our confirmation class, and each week, you know, we have different questions we're supposed to be, you know, reading over and talking about. And and I was reminded as I was preparing for this message about uh the question and answer twenty-six. Um speaking about creation and god's provision for us it says what do you believe when you say i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and the answer is that the eternal father of our lord jesus christ who is out of nothing who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence is my god and father because of jesus because of christ his son i trust him so much that i do not doubt he'll provide whatever i need for body and soul And he will turn into, turn in my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is Almighty God, and he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. What a, what a profound truth that we're reminded of in that passage. That, that God provides for us, he cares for us, and he loves us by, by, um, just as a faithful father would. And he makes himself known to us through creation and especially through his word. He has chosen to reveal himself to us. And the face, the fact that we can know him and that he has reached out to us demonstrates the love that God has for his creation. Right After sin entered the world, after Adam and Eve rebelled against God, he could have just wiped his hands and said, I'm done with this, right? right you rebelled against me. I'm done with you. I'm just going to leave you up to your own devices. But God chose to make himself known to us. He's reached out to us that demonstrates his love. And so what does this mean for us? We can, we can learn about God through creation. We can learn about what he's like and, and his characteristics by looking at his word and at his, cre- at his creation. But what does that mean for us? Well, we can learn that we have purpose and that there is meaning to this life. If God created each one of us, if he, if he chose to bring this world into existence, if he chose to create each one of us, that means that we have meaning and purpose. We're not here by accident right we're we're not just some cosmic mistake floating around in space instead we have meaning we have purpose and what is our purpose i think that's a good question right we often ask ourselves what is what is purpose what is my meaning here in life what does god desire for me to do and his word makes that pretty clear there's three things that we're all called to do no matter who we are where we we're born what kind of life we live we're called to love god love others, and make disciples. The great commandment and the great commission. That's how Jesus summed up the law and the prophets. And our job is to do these things in everything we do. And we're called to apply it to our specific context in life. In other words, no matter what your job is, no matter where you live, no matter what context you find yourself in, Those three things should be the driving force of everything we do. Love God, love others, and make disciples. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a recent retiree, or you're a missionary in Africa, those things apply to each one of us. And it's a matter of figuring out how to love God, how to love others, and how to make disciples where God has placed us. And so as a church, you know, what does it look like for us to do those things in New Knoxville? What does it look like for us to do those things in the place that God has put us? And so encountering, encountering our Creator involves discovering our purpose and living it out. The second thing we that that um, the application of this is that God will provide as we seek Him out, and as we as we fulfill our purpose in life, God will sustain us. Matthew chapter six, verses twenty-five through thirty. So therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown tomorrow into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, God will provide just as he has provided for his creation. He will provide for us as well. It may not always be what we want, but it will be what we need. Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine 29 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so that passage reminds me that sometimes the good that God does for us in our lives, it, it involves giving us the strength to endure or the, the, the courage to handle the physical or material hardships that we face in this life. God doesn't promise that we'll, our bank account will be large and our fridge will always be full. Or even necessarily that we'll always have a house over our heads. But he promises that he will be with us no matter what we face. That the good that comes out of those situations, as it says here in this passage, is that we will become more like Christ in each of those situations. That if we put our trust and our hope in God, as we talked about uh, when we were preaching through Philippians, finding our contentment, our joy in him, that no matter what we face, God will, will, will see to it that he will strengthen us and help us to endure that. And that through all of those things, the good, the bad, the ugly, he will help us to become more like Christ. Because that's the ultimate good, is that we become more and more like him. And this happens, it says, for those who have been called according to his purpose. As we're living out our purpose in this life of loving God, loving others and making disciples, those then then he will make that good happen, help us to become more like him. And so encountering our Creator involves trusting in God's provision and care in every circumstance. Finally, we're called to respond by seeking him out. God has made himself known so that we can have a relationship with him. God desires to fix the creation that's been broken by sin. He desires to restore it to what it was meant to be in the first place. And he accomplishes this through Jesus Christ. And so he desires that we seek him out. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. In Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, that's what God desires from each one of us, that we seek him out. Next week, we'll take a look at a little bit more about what that means as we talk about embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But God desires, he's made himself known to us so that we can seek him out and, and, and be in a relationship with him. That's what it means to encounter our creator, to encounter the one who has made himself known to us, to encounter the one who made us. And knows us. And so how do we encounter our Creator? We can do so in nature generally. Psalm nineteen talks about you know the heavens declaring the glory of God. And so in a in a very general way we can encounter God by being in nature. We can encounter God by being in the Bible in a more specific way. Second Timothy three sixteen says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we can encounter our Creator specifically in the Bible. We can encounter our Creator in prayer intimately. We have this opportunity to engage our Creator, to, to speak with Him. The God of the universe who spoke everything into, in, into existence invites us to speak to Him and to listen to Him. What a privilege to encounter our God in that way. And also we can encounter our Creator with others, with other believers corporately. Matthew eighteen twenty, Jesus says, For two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. What a promise. As we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we as we worship God together, you know, He is here and we encounter Him in that way. And so it's as we as we strive to live out this mission statement together as a church, remember it's it's about us encountering God on a personal level, but it's also about us striving to encounter to God together as a church and, and and engaging as brothers and sisters in Christ with our Creator. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, that, thank you that you have made yourself known to us. And thank you that, that through your creation and through a relationship with you, we can, you have, you have invited us into that relationship. Through what your son, Jesus Christ, has done, you have made yourself known. And we are so grateful for that. Help us as individuals to encounter you this day and this, this week. And help us as a church to, to re- truly encounter you and engage you in that way. In Christ we pray. Amen. In closing, let's stand and sing uh, the first verse of This Is My Father's World, number 58.